All of the major news stories made simple and easy for your listening pleasure. We'll break it down for you in keywords. And for the segment, we're joined by Adam. Good morning. Well, look who's back. <laughs> Hello, Lena. I'm back. In the flesh. I know, right? I mean, yeah. how small things excite me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Just to be able to return to work, you know. Yeah. And I was talking about the quality of our mic in the studio. It's pristine. Yeah, I know. Yeah. There's the... You're through Zoom, right? You yes. Know, yeah, the quality, nah, not the same. You know, we mm. tried, and I, yeah. I, I keep going back to the fact that I can't believe our team made it work. Yeah. Uh, h- however, this this works better. It, it does, yes. <laughs> it certainly does. <laughs> All right, Adam, I saw you kind of making a face when I was talking about peer review in my short opening there. Thoughts? Was I? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I, I think in our area of work, I think uh, peer review helps a lot. Do you think so? You know what? Yeah, yeah I, I would love to get feedback from right. my coworkers. But yeah. I mean, considering freelancers, isn't that a little bit more difficult, right? Mm. It's a pretty touchy subject. It could be, yeah. but it depends on uh, who you're peer reviewing and how that person takes all that uh, praise or yeah. constructive criticism, whatever it may Ooh, be. Or, you know, could both sides agree that it is, in fact, constructive? Ah, yeah. It depends <laughs> on how sensitive you are to such what peer reviewing. What if that peer review was designed to either take your career to the next step or uh, maintain the status quo? If it influenced your next say mm, your next paycheck, mm-hmm. would you be <laughs> welcoming of peer reviews? Yeah, I'm always welcome of ah, peer reviews. Ah. No, despite look, look who's very confident because I was charting there really yeah. carefully. Yeah. Like I'm not quite no. sure if that will benefit me. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, uh, I'd love to have. I love to hear feedback on how I'm doing in my job. I mean, you know, because there are certain things that uh, other people can see in which mm. you can't. That's so a good point. It's, mm. It could be helpful. Um, mm. It de- and it also depends on how the other person says it as well. That's also important. You don't want to hurt uh, the other person's feelings, do you? That's that's a really good point. See, these this is these are the reasons why they could be potentially contentious, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's not designed to start or spark rivalry right. or or unhealthy relationships at work, but it could. Yeah. So there are clearly pros and uh-huh. cons, which Certainly. Adam has both mentioned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Give us your two cents. Thoughts on peer reviews. Mm-hmm. Time to move on to keyword news. That's yes. why you joined us after all. <laughs> Here's a closer look at some of the major headlines this morning, starting with our first pick of the day. Jeju earthquake. All right, so a powerful 4.9 magnitude earthquake has struck just off the coast of Jeju Island, marking one of the strongest tremors reported in Korea's recent history. So let's take a look at the scale and the damage so far. Yes, the earthquake was observed 32 kilometers southwest of Sogipo at 5:19 p.m. yesterday. The epicenter was suspected to be 17 kilometers below sea level. Uh, the earthquake was initially reported to have a magnitude of 5.3, but was later to revise to be 4.9. Uh, authorities said Jeju Island residents could have experienced huge tremors, adding they were in the process of verifying if any, any damage occurred, but so far no damage has been reported yet. No major damage, is that No major right? damage, mm. right. Uh, authorities uh, did advise people in the area to take cover and protect themselves from aftershocks as well. Mm. Uh, sometimes it can go on for hours and even days mm. after an initial uh, tremor. Uh, people on the island actually took to social media 
media saying they felt the ground shaking for three to four seconds with some structures shaking as well. And people also reported feeling the earthquake in areas other than Jeju Island, such as in the Cholla provinces, mm-hmm. um, both south and north. And yesterday's tremor was the first earthquake of a magnitude exceeding 4.5 in four years. The last strong earthquake with a similar magnitude was recorded in 2018 when a 4.6 magnitude earthquake hit Puang, uh, if we remember. That and was heavily reported on as well. Because there are devastating consequences out mm-hmm. of that. I mean, we keep going back to the fact that we're not really earthquake ready, the South mm. Korean Peninsula, and it's not just limited to Puang or Jeju Island. Mm. And it's kind of a gentle reminder for us to do the bare minimum, maybe, mm-hmm. earthquake-proof the house, like, you know, bolting uh, mm-hmm. bookshelves is something I did as a kid growing up in California. Yeah. And just have an emergency plan in mind, like, mm-hmm. where do you go or where do you hide? Right. And these yeah. earthquakes do seem to be more uh, prevalent in the southern right, region. Right. So you have Poang, and there was also a 5.8 magnitude quake uh, yeah. down in Gyeongju in 2016 as well. But the damage wasn't as high as expected uh, in mm. that one, uh, despite it being the strongest on record. All right. Uh, as Adam has mentioned, listeners tuning in from Jeju Island, there are precautionary warnings of aftershock mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. we speak. Yes. And now we move on to our second keyword of the day. Record cases. So turning to the pandemic situation in Korea, cases just aren't slowing down. The capital region is also seeing record cases of a number of critically ill patients, alarmingly high. Uh, how bad is it looking? Uh, pretty bad, unfortunately. Uh, as of 12 a.m. to 9 p.m. yesterday, Seoul recorded 2,469 cases. That's the highest for that time period. That's uh, almost 490 more than the same time frame the day before. Now, the count until mid night that will be announced today will likely exceed 3,000 just for the capital region uh, or the capital city rather and the greater Seoul area is still the hotbed of infections uh, cases are continuing to rise three record high caseloads have already been reported this month alone so the situation is certainly quite dire uh, the number of critically ill patients as you said is also rising overwhelming the health system ICU beds are also being filled up quickly with a long wait list Uh, This has caused more than a dozen people, in fact, dying from their illnesses while Mm. waiting for a hospital bed. So it's quite unfortunate to hear reports of that. Uh, Nearly 1,500 people are said to be waiting for intensive care uh, in the capital region. There's also one person waiting for an ICU bed outside the Greater Seoul area as well. So certainly the medical system is being a bit uh, overworked and overwhelmed. Uh, Amid the surge in cases and concerns over the worldwide spread of Omicron as well, Uh, The government has extended the 10-day mandatory self-quarantine for all inbound travellers by three more weeks until January 6th, something that you had to go through. Mm. Uh, The country also extended its entry ban on these 11 African countries until the same date as well. Uh, Those arriving from countries that have signed this so-called travel bubble uh, with Korea, such as Singapore and Saipan, uh, they're actually exempt from the rule, just to be... uh, just to notify you of that. And as far as extending the gathering band or maybe strengthening it, mm. we're not getting any updates yet, but that's always mm. a possibility, isn't it, for us yeah. to go back to stricter measures for the country. That's right. I mean, I'm hearing different parts of the world that are you know, reinforcing uh, the mask mandate. It's mm-hmm. actually surprising that some cities and some countries and some states particularly mm-hmm. had done without. Um, mm. I think the current circumstances changes that drastically. Yeah. And on to our third buzzword of the day. 
Omicron spread worldwide. Uh, speaking of Omicron, the World Health Organization has given a bleak outlook on the new variant. Mm-hmm. So it also wants to manage our expectations because it does seem like some countries mm-hmm. are downplaying the fear surrounding it. Uh, what did it have to say? Yeah, the WHO warned Omicron is spreading faster than any previous strain and that it's probably present in most countries around the world. The WHO chief, Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, said 77 countries have now reported cases of Omicron, and he added that the reality is that Omicron is probably in most countries, even if it hasn't been detected yet. Uh, He said he's worried that countries are dismissing Omicron as a mild variant. Now, though Omicron is more contagious, as early data uh, indicates, it is not yet clear whether the strain causes more mild or severe disease than past variants of the virus. There have been some studies suggesting that it might be uh, less severe than, say, the Delta variant, but of course it is still early days. Uh, And Tedros noted that even if Omicron does cause less severe disease, the sheer number of cases could once again overwhelm unprepared health systems. And Tedros warned that vaccines alone will not protect countries from Omicron, emphasizing the importance of masks and uh, social distancing. Another WHO official, Mike Ryan, said governments around the world need to prepare for a wave of infection by making sure that hospitals are well prepared uh, with enough supplies. And he also said governments need to keep pushing for the unvaccinated to get immunised as well. Mm. And he also mentioned that blanket travel bans create a false sense of security because variants like Omicron spread in advance of detection. Um, Meanwhile, Moderna's chief medical officer, Paul Burton, also had some uh, stark warnings for the Omicron variant and he said he could work in tandem with Delta to create further worrying mutations. And his biggest concern was that Omicron and Delta will coexist, uh, especially in Europe, for an extended time during which people could be infected with both strains at the same time as well. Mm. All right, we'll leave it there for now. But again, I guess the back and forth is is a fresh set of reminder for us mm-hmm. not to just believe in the downplayed mm-hmm. measures. I mean, yes, there are preliminary data suggesting that it may be, it's transmissible, perhaps mm-hmm. more transmissible than Delta, but milder in the yeah. symptoms that we get from Omicron. But it's not conclusive and mm. it's never 100% finite, is it? Yeah, there's been similar assessments yeah. in the early days of the Delta variant well, uh, and look what happened, uh, or mm. look what's happening now. So uh, it overtook yeah. quickly as the mm-hmm. most dominant variant. So yeah. be mindful of what's being said there. Mm-hmm. Moving on to our fourth keyword of the day. Four percent growth. Turn to the local economy and the Asian Development Bank uh, has Korea's uh, 2021 GDP growth forecast unchanged at 4%. Mm-hmm. So what was specifically the assessment here? Yeah, the ADB also maintained the nation's GDP growth outlook for next year at 3.1% as well. Those both are unchanged from its September estimates. And the bank said in its latest report that the Korean economy is expected to continue its robust recovery driven by export growth, which has seen record numbers. And and private consumption as well. Despite inflation. Despite inflation, yes. Uh, And the ADB's forecast is identical with that of the Bank of Korea, in fact. Uh, Now, despite the ADB's quite rosy outlook, it also cited the possibility of China's economic slowdown, uh, the prolonged global supply bottlenecks, as well as the US Fed's normalization of its monetary policy as major risk factors that may widen volatility in the financial market, both here and abroad. 
And it also projected that the inflation rate would see growth of 2.3% this year and 1.9% next year, citing improving consumer spending as well as the surging energy costs and mm. surging costs of pretty much everything else as well. Right. Um, that's an upward revision of 0.3 percentage points for each from its uh, September forecast. So, yeah, inflation, yeah, unfortunately, still prices are still uh, going up. Yeah, and there's really not much that can be done besides government intervention mm. to stop that from happening. So yeah. it seems that there are still red flags blaring in our faces mm-hmm. for us to be concerned about going into a fresh new year in just a week's time. I know. Whether you're ready for it or not, here we go. <laughs> On to our fifth keyword of the day. FOC assessment. South Korea and the U.S. are set to be in talks over when to conduct assessments for the transfer of wartime operational control from Washington to Seoul. Mm-hmm. What's the latest in this tug of war? Yeah, Seoul's Defense Ministry says the full operational capability or FOC assessment required for the OPCON transfer will take place next year. Mm. The FOC assessment is the second phase of a three-part verification process to determine if South Korea is ready to lead the Allies' combined forces in wartime. Um, The Defense Ministry said the Allies are discussing the timing of the FOC assessment next year. No Mm. further details were given. However, the U.S. Defense Department spokesperson John Kirby told reporters that the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin agreed to proceed with the FOC assessment next summer during his visit to Korea earlier uh, this month and review progress on the OPCON transfer conditions in the autumn. Over the weekend, South Korean Defense Minister Seouk said in an interview that Austin had ordered a review of the FOC assessment in the spring, bringing the timeline forward. Uh, at the security consultative meeting early this month in Seoul, Austin said he agreed with SAR to conduct the assessment during next fall's combined command post training. Later, he reportedly said that he would see it uh, if it's possible to bring the timeline forward when he met uh, President Moon Jae-in, possibly meaning a joint military exercise in mm. March, so mm. basically the spring. Now, although President Moon wanted to accomplish the upcoming transfer before the end of his term next May, it's looking pretty unlikely that it will happen before he leaves off. A time crunch, right? Mm-hmm. But doesn't mean that it's it's for it's a moot cause because that plan will move accordingly. I think even after the mm. administration is done well with his term. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on how the next administration discusses the matter and how That's much of a, a priority point. it is. Yeah. Which way is that going to swing? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I think we do have time for our last piece of story today. Yeah. Um, this is our sixth and final keyword of the day. World Expo Campaign. Busan has started its campaign to host the 2030 World Expo as a race to become the host city uh, kicks off. What's the latest and why is this something that's coveted? Yeah, well, Busan is competing against Rome, Moscow, Odessa and Riyadh and it's the first city to make its case online in this virtual summit in a presentation before the Bureau Internationale de Exposition or BIE. Uh, the Korean delegation focused the presentation on explaining the meaning of major themes of a Busan Expo and better promoting the city itself uh, to the these BIE members as well. Uh, The theme that has been proposed is the era of great change, sailing toward a better future. Uh, President Moon also voiced the government's support for Pusan's bid in a video message as well and there's been various events in the city to kind of raise awareness of the uh, event Uh, and basically the Pusan is hoping to 
bring in mm. a lot of economic benefits as right. well. Um, and if it does host the 2030 World Expo, then Korea will have uh, organized all three major international events, uh, the World Expo, the Olympics, as well as the FIFA World Cup. And so the winner is expected to be announced in 2023. So we'll have to uh, keep our fingers crossed. I see. So it's like the big three that we have to check off. Yeah. <laughs> Got you. Thank you very much, Adam, for today's coverage. I'll mm-hmm. see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.